Hey guys, welcome to the Homefront Podcast. I'm your host, Tori McQueen. I'm a realtor, an entrepreneur, a mom of four, and a bold dreamer, always on a mission to turn nothing into something. Have you ever wondered how all these other entrepreneurs do it all? Can they actually have a successful and thriving business while also having a happy home life? Here, we dig into the real stories from entrepreneurs on how to run a biz and a home life, how to scale and grow, and how to manage parenting and relationships without sacrificing your home life or happiness. After all, isn't that what matters most? Let's get to it. All right, guys, I have a very special special lady on the show today. Um, we actually take it way back when I have been watching her. Her name is Jade Norris, and she is a doctor. She's a family medicine pra- uh, physician, and she's got her little girl. She's got a happy married life with hubby. She wrote her first book, and they are just about to have their second baby, but she did this all while going to med school and getting it all done and now opening up her own private practice, which is kind of changing the game in medicine, so we'll touch on that also. But before I talk too much, I want to introduce Dr. Jade. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. Yay. I'm so excited to dive in with you. Um, So, okay. Tell me, I mean, ever since I've met you, you've always said, no, I'm going to do it all and I'm going to go be a doctor. That was always your focus. So let's take it back there and tell me from scratch, like your journey leading into where you're at now. Sure. So I was one of those little weird kids who loved going to the doctor's office And, you know, on career day, when they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would always say doctor. And that interest and passion and dream just never changed for me. It just continued to develop as I, you know, went through middle school, high school and got some experience in shadowing. And that career path has always been my focus, always been my love. So, um, you know, went to UNLV, um, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas for my bachelor's in biology and then Southern Illinois University for med school, and then just finished my residency a few months ago um, in family medicine at Loma Linda in Southern California. So I've kind of been all over for my medical training, and I'm living my passion, and I just am so thankful to be doing what I love. And now my private practice, Inspire Primary Care, is going to be opening in two months. Uh, I want to hear all about that because it's not just a normal primary care practice, right? Like tell tell us us that because that itself is a whole nother can that I'm sure that I could dig into. But just looking at your marketing and what you've been doing with that and your focus on that, I want to hear kind of the why, why it's different and why you chose that approach um, directly out of residency. Absolutely. So when I was a little girl, I my doctors had private practices. And so I grew up dreaming of having my own little private practice with my patients that know me really well and being like the community doctor. That was, you know, my vision. And, you know, back a few years ago, a decade ago or so, all of the big hospital corporations were really buying up and buying out private practices. And so through the medical field, through medical school, we were basically taught you can't own a private practice anymore. That's just not Mm -hmm. the way it's done anymore. And in residency, one of my advisors was asking me, you know, well, what do you really see yourself doing? What are you really passionate about? 
And I told her about my dream of this practice where I can really focus on wellness and fitness and know my patients, work out with my patients, um, you know, cook with my patients, all these things to really promote a healthy lifestyle. And I was like, I don't know how I would do it being an employed doc because, you know, just going in and clocking in from nine to five and being slammed with patients back to back to back like that just doesn't it wasn't the lifestyle that I envisioned. And she asked me if I had heard about a model called direct primary care. And I hadn't heard of that before. And basically it's a membership model of primary care where your patients really know you, they have full access to you, but it's for a flat monthly membership fee, typically an affordable, it's kind of like an affordable version of concierge medicine, which some people have heard of Mm -hmm. um, like for the rich. (laughs) And so It's an affordable version of that. And your patients have your cell phone number. They can text you. They have 30 to 60 minute appointments. They have same day, next day appointments. And they're your people. They're your patients. And when I heard about that model, because you don't bill insurance and it's a membership model, it just really frees up your ability to make the practice your own. Right. So, okay. So you don't bill insurance then. No, you don't bill insurance. Basically, with this type of model, you're using insurance the way I would like to say the appropriate way. So like, for example, for your car insurance, you don't use your car insurance when you go to get gas, when you go to get an oil change, when you go to get windshield wipers if you need a new battery. But if you get into a car accident, you use your insurance. And so it's the same thing for your primary care, which covers about 90 percent of healthcare services. You don't need to bill insurance. I don't need to bill your insurance to refill your lisinopril, to talk to you about your wellness, to counsel you about nutrition. You know, that's primary care. Um, To screen you for cancer, to do your pap smear. I don't need to bill your insurance for any of that. But that's what our system does. But it's it's not necessary. However, for your surgeries, if you need to go to the hospital, those are the times that you would use insurance. So it also allows people that are uninsured or fully insured to get access to really quality primary care. Oh, if only we had more of that. Yeah, it's a growing model. Well, and especially nowadays with everything going on and all the non-transparency and like I have been, my husband is military, right? So it was always just a, I don't know who, what doctor I'm going to get when I walk through the door. It's just, you know, you go in and you see someone and, And that's that. And then now I have Kaiser. So it's those big money making corporations, you know, those big, those bigger companies that use insurances oftentimes. And it does seem like there's a slight conflict of interest and also a lack of community that you are craving. So I think that hopefully your model inspires other people to continue with that model, because I think it's very I think it's needed. Absolutely. No. I'm super excited. I'm, I'm, there's a, over a thousand of these type of practices throughout the country. It's a growing model. And more and more primary care doctors are getting excited about this and, and leaving corporate medicine to open up their own direct primary care practice. Good. Well, and that's cool that you have a model to base it off of. So it's not like you're fully from scratch, but you have some support there to know exactly what that looks like and how to how to tailor it to what your needs are. So that's absolutely. Awesome. And that's cool that you had an awesome advisor or someone to actually lead you in that direction, because I know that's not always the case. So God works in mysterious ways, I say. Yes, he does. <laughs> he brings it all together. 
Yes. Okay. So tell me going through what was going through residency like as a new mom? Going through that phase of motherhood that I know, I know you talk about this on some of your YouTube stuff and your um, podcast that you've been on before, but if you could touch on that a little bit, that would be good. Absolutely. So residency is a time when people say is like the busiest time in medicine. It's intensive on the job training. You know, they can work you up to 80 hours per week. Um, it's nonstop. You wake up, you work all day and you go to sleep and you do it again. It's kind of like that six days a week, typically one day off. And so okay. it's a rough, rigorous three years. And, you know, people say you're crazy if you have a baby during residency. And specifically, the first year of residency is what we call intern year. That's the hardest year. And they're like, definitely don't have a baby during intern year. And for some reason, I just typically take the <laughs> hardest path that you can take. And I had my baby intern year. Yes. <laughs> and so with that, it was a blur, to be honest. It was, uh, yeah, it's a blur, to be honest, because I just woke up and did it, you know? Like, I I carried the baby all the way until I delivered. I worked nonstop all the way until it was time for her to come out, and then I took four months off, and and that was it. And when I look back, I don't really remember the struggle, but I know it was a difficult journey. <laughs> it's funny when you get to the end of the road with something, you don't remember quite how hard it was. Or how crazy you were. But it's like you you just do it. Like, you know, just like I say, how do you do it all? How do you even do that? You're crazy. You're like, I don't have time to even think how crazy I am. I'm just doing it. I obviously have no options right now. I'm 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 just gonna go straight forward forward with my plan. And I think sometimes that's a really good approach because I mean it's all about attitude. And as long as I've seen you and watched you, your smile is just glows. So just I, I could just tell that like if anyone were to make it harder on themselves or take on the challenge, it does not surprise me that you would go ahead and do that. But I'm sure a lot of cred goes to being able to do that because you have a lot of support at home as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the main thing. I mean, it takes a village and my husband is incredible. And so, you know, when we were in residency in California, it was just he and I, we didn't have any family support there. You know, we had, we found a great daycare, but he was super helpful. He works from home. He has more flexibility in his career. Um, and now we've kind of flipped now that residency's over. His career is more busy and now my schedule is much more open being a full-time entrepreneur. So it's just, you know, that teamwork has been absolutely incredible. And yeah, it's not a one-woman show at all. Right. Well, and that's kind of, you know, obviously that's why I like to dive in. And in this second season of of this podcast that I like to dive into, it's really about how to scale and grow and what that looks like on the behind the scenes too. Like oftentimes it is very supportive roles on the backside that a lot of people don't acknowledge or or they have a weird way of acknowledging it. And I think half of the battle is having a supportive spouse that truly trusts you to go on that entrepreneurship journey. Anytime you say, I'm going to write a book. Okay, you do that. Like without any questions, right? So let's have a baby. Sure. Why not? And you guys can just tag hands and do that. Is that truly how seamless it has been for you guys? Or is that also kind of like a blur that just you figure it out as you go? So I would say a combination of the two. I think the main thing I've learned is, you know, we have our plan, our dream, you know, of course, when we were dating and things like that, we're like, okay, how many kids do we want? When do we think we want to have them? All these things, <laughs> you plan out what you can plan out. But then 
what mother, if motherhood hasn't taught me anything else, it's taught me to go with the flow, which is not the natural, <laughs> my natural type A checklist. Uh-huh. I'm like super detail oriented, but Ava being her mom has taught me, you just have to go with the flow. Like you plan what you can. And from there you pick it up and you take it as it comes. So she's really taught me flexibility. Right. And to enjoy the moments that you have with that. And it doesn't, and some things are just out of your control. Yeah. It's, so. yep. I don't like that, but I'm learning <laughs> to just know that that's how it is. Oh, I know. I know. Okay. So now how would you, let's, let's talk about a little bit about you did your book, your book during residency also, correct? While you were pregnant or I did. That, what made you think to do that book? What did that look like alongside residency when you were going through that process? Yeah, this is super interesting. So again, I I had Ava, my daughter, who's now two, but I had her during residency and she is the inspiration for my first business, Inspire LLC, which is really houses our children's book company and our other services. But, you know, I just really wanted to read books to her every night, specifically books that would empower her, that were diverse, that had, you know, all skin complexions and hair textures and really showed little girls, you know, not just the Princess Disney books. I think they're beautiful. However, I wanted her to see some examples of professional women and strong women and to just know that she could do anything. So I was really on the hunt for those type of books because I'm all about messaging for children, especially, you know, in those primitive years. And I couldn't really find a book that had all of those ingredients in one book. And I would, you know, search on Amazon and look for those type of books and read reviews. Yeah. And then I would get them and I'd be like, okay, it was, you know, it was kind of what I was looking for, but it just wasn't what I was looking for. And so I have a background in writing poetry. And one day I just wrote this little story. Like God just gave me the words for this little story. It rhymes. And then I just read it to my husband and he was like, this is a children's book. You need to write this book. And I was like, you think so? And from there, I just started Googling and YouTubing like, okay, well, how do you write a children's book? How do you self-publish a children's book? And there were, you know, anything you want to learn now, you can learn. There's no (laughs) reason why you can't learn it now. No reason. Okay. And so, yeah, that's what taught me how to self-publish a children's book, YouTube and Google. And I went through the steps. I found a I'm not the best illustrator. My chicken scratch wouldn't quite work. So I I have a friend that I went to high school with who is a beautiful artist and she posts a lot of her art on her social media. And so I just reached out to her and said, hey, have you ever thought of illustrating for a children's book? And she's like, oh, I've I've dreamed of doing that, but nobody's ever asked me. And we just collaborated and came up with a contract. And and now I actually have two books now. You can call me queen and you can call me king. And she illustrated both of them. We're working on the third book now. So it's become this whole um, empowerment children's book series. And it just all started out with trying to empower my daughter. And honestly, that's where all the motivation really, if you dig into like many of the entrepreneurs that I know, it all starts with, you know, their why. And if they have children or they start to have children, it creates a completely different why. And it takes a curve that you, it just kind of gets thrown at you. And the opportunity presents itself and then you have nothing standing in your way because you're like, no, I need to have this children's book because my daughter's going to grow up with the way that I want her to be raised. And the only one who's in control of that is me. So I will make one and I will make it happen. And the fact that you're, we can figure anything out. And I think that's awesome. So that, 
that book has really been almost like a launching pad to a whole different income stream and a whole different business side to what you're working on then, right? Aside from the medicine. Absolutely. Yes. And I never dreamed of writing children's books. I always wanted to be an author, but I I really love working with teen girls. And so I always imagined, you know, more of the nonfiction empowerment for adults and teens. I never thought about children's books until I had my daughter. So it is amazing just what motherhood will do and, and just how God will show you where he wants you to go and open these doors. And now I'm just so passionate seeing all these children with their books and reading and doing book signings and uh, readings with children at schools and things like that. It's just grown into something I never even imagined. And it's just amazing. Well, and it sounds like a true labor of love, you know, and, and it's also ties back into you and all about your medicine and why you wanted family community medicine. You know, I think it all ties into that wellness right? Because wellness starts before you're sick, right? It's it's all that, that mental health that is obviously clearly lacking in the medicine field. But it, I could just totally see that it does make perfect sense for you to, to go along those lines because you're starting out with the youth and you're impacting them at such a young age. And then when you bring them into the medicine, I mean, it's, it's all encompassing with wellness. So I think the whole thing is just empowering. And as much as you think like it's such a shock, it's like, well, actually it's not like, these are all the same messages that Dr. Jade is trying to share with the world and she's doing Mm -hmm. it and it's so inspiring. So, okay. Well, um, name your books real quick, name your books real quick for everybody so they can hear. Yes. So you can call me queen is our first book for the little girls, our little Queens. And then you can call me King is our second book for the little Kings. And so our Instagram is you can call me books. So the series will continue. So we'll see what you can call me next with book number (laughs) three. (laughs) So, and we'll make sure to put all that in the show notes for people to see, because that's just another um, way for people to touch base with you and also get to buy those for themselves and for all the little king and queens. Yes. And those are available on Amazon. Now, okay. So fast forward a little bit. You had your baby, your hubby's doing his thing, super supportive at home. Now you're getting into starting to really, really launch your career. So what Mm -hmm. does that look like as far as plans to begin, start, and then scale? And and we can talk- Mm -hmm strictly on your um, Inspire clinic first? Sure. So again, you learn everything, <laughs> You anything you want to learn, you can learn these days. And I am learning to be a businesswoman, you know, in medical school and through medicine and science, you, they do not teach us business. Okay. No. And so I feel like throughout residency, as soon as I figured out, I wanted to open my own practice, especially once I knew I wanted to open it straight mm-hmm. from residency, I basically made myself a nighttime minor in finance oh, and business. Yeah. And I would just read, yeah, I would read business books, finance books, podcasts, YouTube channels, you know, really just teaching myself about, um, you know, how to write a business plan, how to start an LLC, um, how to pay your yourself, uh, how to get a bookkeeper, all these things, projections, spreadsheets, like things (laughs) I never have to do as a doctor, right? And so I kind of 
and I'm still learning every day. I'm still learning. I'm just, I'm, I think in general, being a lifetime learner is essential, but all of those finance and business aspects I'm learning and I'm finding mentors that, I mean, out here, people really want to see you win is what I've found. Yes. You know, if you will just ask and connect, people are like, oh yeah, I, I, I'll teach you this. I'll tell you 100%. this. I'll connect you with this person. I don't know, but I know so-and-so knows. And so God has really been connecting me in that way. And it's just kind of coming together little by little. I just can um, create like daily checklists of things I want to get done. And it kind of snowballs one step at a time towards the ultimate goal. So small goals that reach the ultimate right. goal. And I think you have, I mean, it's interesting because not everyone understands this. And I think it's the weird entrepreneurship thing where you think like, we're these weird human beings that like to make things hard on ourselves. And we do these, these things and we want to learn everything, but obviously we we're only one person, right? And we choose these paths mm-hmm. where we have to figure it out and lean on different people, which is very different than you just going and starting to work for a practice that's already happening or a larger institution where you just clock in and clock out. Oftentimes right. you have to work in your business and then you have to work on your business. Like that extra on your business often goes like into nighttime mode or like you said, learning finance, learning podcasts, learning all that sorts of stuff. So as far as your business goes and now that you're learning all that stuff, are you going to take a route that is more so trying to do a lot of that yourself or are you hiring out people to do a lot of that for you as you start to get in there? Because it's... Yeah, that's a good question. So with my specific practice model. We call it basically I'm starting as a micro practice, a solo physician micro practice. So initially I will sort of be a one woman show. However, I'll be utilizing tools that assist me. So for example, I'll be the only physician. I won't have a medical assistant initially. I basically have it built into my business plan when I'm able to afford to hire a medical assistant, um, you know, once I get to a certain number of members. However, at the beginning, I'll do my own vitals and, you know, just simplify it as my patient panel mm-hmm. is small. But I'll have tools that really assist me. So like my electronic medical record, the practice management is built into that. The patient scheduling and patient portal is built into that. So a lot of things are automated. I'm all about automations because although if you can't afford to hire when you're a new startup, there are so many tools out there that are really affordable, some of them free, that can help automate your business where you're not doing everything hand by hand on your own. So I really like to utilize those type of tools. And then in the specific areas where I have to hire and have to invest, I do. So for me, you know, taxes are serious when it comes to your business. So yeah, so I hired a bookkeeper, you know, and I thankfully found a family friend who's giving me like the family friend discount, you know, on bookkeeping, but you know, things like that, where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to skimp on taxes. I'm going to have a lawyer look over my contracts, certain things I have to budget in even early on. And then other things where I'm like, okay, I don't have to have a medical assistant right off the bat. I can do both of those roles at the beginning and then other things I'll automate. Right. Oh, oh I feel you to the heart. Like, I, I mean, I started out doing my own bookkeeping and then I was like, oh my God, this is like, and it sucks. I mean, it's not even fun. Like why, why would I even do that? And so I, I think that's a given with anyone, but as far as like, when is, when is your, when is your practicing opening? Yes. So our pre-enrollment is open now for Las Vegas. I'm, my uh-huh. practice will be in Las Vegas. So the pre-enrollment is open now and the our doors open in February, at the end okay. of February. 
So that gives me some sort of reference. So yes, hiring the main people behind your business. I also hear you're doing, you're looking into attorneys to set up the structure of your business. So you have a solid foundation, it sounds like. And then at least all the consumer or the client experience is up to you for right now. So that's how you're kind of starting out. Absolutely. And I'm also not a techie person. So I hired somebody to do a really beautiful website for me because that will that's like our online house. So to me, I was like, I'm not going to skimp on the website either. (laughs) Or take all the time in the world to figure that out. Yeah, yeah. Some things I I have my line with YouTube and uh, building a website is just not my not my area. (laughs) Boy, do we appreciate techie graphics people. Okay, so okay, you're opening this practice. You just moved back after your residency to Vegas. You're starting to launch to get patients. And tell me, husband and daughter, right now. Where are they at in all this? Uh, What does the day in the life look like for you on the family side? Yeah, that's a great question. So my husband, he is working from home. He's even pre-pandemic. He's always worked from home. But his, like I said, his career is really, really busy right now. So I'm pretty much, I like to call this period of time maternity leave, even though I work quite a Uh bit. (laughs) But so I'm not a practicing physician at this time. I'm taking a few months off, uh, four months total before we launch the practice. Um, I'm also expecting, and I have my baby and my next second daughter in two or three weeks. So I'm preparing for that. Thank you. So, you know, it's a busy time, but it's just a different kind Uh of busy. So I basically, I get my daughter up in the morning. Well, I wake up early before anybody wakes up. And then I um, always try to have my prayer time and my workout time and kind of have my me time before I start catering to everyone else, get my little checklist for the day together. And then I start getting my daughter ready for school. Well, pre I call it school. Uh-huh. But daycare. <laughs> yeah, so we get her ready for school, her breakfast, all of that, get her all dressed. And then I drop her off. And pretty much from the time she's at daycare during the day, That's my time for work, Monday through Friday. And when I pick her up, evenings, my phone is, I don't look at my phone. I don't look at my computer. I don't do any other work. So basically evenings and weekends are dedicated family time. And I'm really passionate about that fine line so that my family is my priority. And when my daughter and my husband are with me, I'm present. That's really important. Yes. And I think that that's important going into that and and trying to stick to that because I think that's what a lot of entrepreneurs like have a hard time with is that they don't, they get all excited and then they don't know how to balance. And then a lot of them are working from home. And then, you know, depending on what they're doing with their kids or what their spouse's schedules look like, if they have a spouse or a single mom, like, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that looks. So I appreciate you sharing that because it's nice to see like, okay, so she gets up, she has her, her time which is super important for many different reasons. Mm-hmm. And we can go into a whole can of that. But then also you yeah. take her to daycare, it sounds like. Is that is that Monday through Friday? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Monday Perfect. through Friday. And then will you do the same when the new baby comes? Yeah, I mean, I'll hold off as long as I can. I have, you know, I, I plan to take her up as early as six weeks, but my family might help with her early on. We'll hold off taking her as long as we can, but she she will be registered at the daycare. Right. And go yeah. with the flow, right? Because like you said, you don't know how you mm-hmm. feel. You don't know how she will be, you know, obviously you just don't exactly. know. So take it easier on yourself. And sometimes the plan is to not fully have a plan and, and everything yeah. will be fine. Yeah. But touching on that, so 
you are very big into empowering women and strong women. And I, since I've known you, you've always chatted about your mom and how she's a strong woman. And that has been a generational um, thing that you've been taught. And I think that it's something you take great pride in. And then you, you want to make sure that you're passing that down. So in getting and and going on this topic, I basically want to ask you about any mom guilt. Do you have any mom guilt when it comes to building a career of your dreams, doing what you want for you, but also doing it because you want to show your daughters well, and then soon daughters that they can do whatever they want. But does that ever come with mom guilt? Yeah, mom guilt is an interesting thing. So, you know, I know you said that I grew up around, you know, strong women, but I also grew up, which is true, but I really grew up around women who were well balanced and really focused on wellness. You know, I remember being a little girl and I would be sitting in the back of my mom's workout class, but she was, you know, doing her fitness because that's what she needed for herself. And I would watch that. And so for me, it's the same thing, which is why I am passionate about starting my day with God and with myself first before I pour into others, because I've been called to many things. And motherhood is one of those amazing things. It's one of my favorite amazing things, right? Um, Being a wife and mother are my favorite titles. However, they're not my only titles and they're not my only things that I'm called to. So it all requires balance. And I think all of that makes me who I am. I'm a better mom when I do get a little time away from her to really fill my cup in some other areas. And then when I'm with her, I can give her everything and pour into her. And so I think it's important for her to see that because she won't just be one thing either. Seeing how mommy balances it, I think that's important for her to know that, oh, wow, I can do my wildest dreams. And for me, my dream was to be a doctor, a mom, a wife, and to put God first. So to be able to have the privilege to do all of those things and figure out how to balance those things is just my greatest joy. I couldn't relate any more than that. Now, do you, as far as mom guilt goes, like has your mother always pushed you to be who you want to be? Or was she, was she a working mom or did she stay home or? Yeah, my mom's a working mom. So most of the women in my family were teachers. So my mom was an elementary school teacher, but She also worked um, as a night teacher in the evening. So my mom, you know, worked elementary during the day and then taught um, adults at night. And so, yeah, I had a working mom and she would kind of cook a few meals on Sunday that you mix and matched all throughout the week. And, you know, uh, it was it was our norm. Touching on mom guilt. Yes, is the answer. Of course. You know, the days where I drop Ava off at daycare where she cries, it breaks my heart. The days where I drop her off at daycare and she's like, bye, mommy, and runs off. You know, that breaks my heart in a different way. Or you go to say, hey, I'm so nice to you. And you're like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's days where she wants to stay with me. And then there's days where she's like, I want to go to school. I want to see my friends. And, you know, just seeing how she communicates with other children and her how she learns. I mean, I think there's just pros and cons to all of it. Right. And so would I call it mom guilt? I don't really like to call it that. I just feel like I love her, but I can't be with her all the time. And I'm not called to be a um uh, housewife, I think the women that are called to do that, that's amazing, but that's not everyone's mm-hmm. calling. And I love how you phrase that. Like, I wouldn't call it guilt. And I think that that's a very healthy way to talk about it because it shouldn't be yeah. guilt. 
Like it's just being a mom and how you have to balance everything and live through life and do you and also be a mom and have all these multiple um, different outlets of joy, right, in your life to be able to pour more joy into others and raise little queens and kings. So I think that I absolutely love that you're having a hard time calling it guilt because you're like, no, it's not really guilt. Um, And I think that's amazing. Because I think it's very, very healthy. And I wish that message were spread more in, in our environment. I, I, th- I know that a lot of entrepreneurial women struggle. And I used to struggle a lot with that. So it's nice to hear the way that you phrase that. Yes. Thank okay. You. So next question is, ha- what has been your, or and what are your thoughts on failure? Mm. So I don't, I don't believe in failure. I've had a lot of challenges along my journey, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, my journey through medicine has not been easy at all. However, they were lessons. They were amazing lessons that were learned. And I also believe that some doors that get closed were closed for a reason. Like I look back and I'm like, oh, thank God that those uh-huh. are closed, you know? And then the ones that are meant for me are for me and the other ones just open. You know, I just feel like I'm a woman of faith. So I just feel like God takes me where he's supposed to take me. The doors that he opens for me, nobody can close those, but it doesn't mean that it will be easy. And so I have had lots of challenges. I wouldn't call them failures, but, um, and you know, I've had lots of tears along my journey through medicine. It's been challenging. However, it just makes me love where I am so much better. It humbled me. It made me so thankful to have what I have. You know, if I got it all so easily, I I don't know if I would be the person I am and have the humility that I have and just the joy um, to be in this position. So I call it just lessons, not really failure. And I really am a person where I don't think about if I can do something. I just think about how I can do it and how long it'll take me and what my journey will be. Maybe it looks different from someone else's journey. So yeah, I think of things more like that. And again, super, I think that's very healthy. Um, Do you think that, well, and and I I bet you can relate to this because the phrase of like, I don't ever fail because if I make a mistake, that means I'm learning. So it's never a failure because it's a learned lesson, right? Yeah. 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 And growth. I mean, it's, it's a part of growing as well. And and growth, growth is typically uncomfortable. Right. (laughs) Well, and what do you think is the difference between, I mean, you're in, you're in medicine. Like, what do you think is the difference between those that, I mean, it's a mindset thing, right? So what do you think is the difference between those that view failure as like this huge negative thing versus someone who views failure um, more as a way of life and as a way of learning um, and part of part of the journey. Like, what do you think is that disconnect or, or, or just difference there? It has a lot to do with how I was raised in my support system, right? Because I've always been surrounded by people who support my dream, who encourage me, who cheer me on. And you know, not everyone has that. And if you're hearing negativity or hearing that you can't do it, your dream is crazy, you know, you're going to fail, that can get into your head as well. So I think it's not only yourself believing that you yourself can do it, but also surrounding yourself with with positive people that speak life into your dreams. Because um, if everybody could do it, then they would do it, right? If it was easy, everyone would do it. But most of the time, your wildest dreams are challenging and it takes vision and it takes grit. And so you need people around you that also cheer you on, even when it looks like you're failing or sounds like you're crazy. Right. Well, and even more so now that you've got social media here, that people are thinking 
all these things and then people are quick to judge and compare. Are you finding that social media makes it hard for people? I think social media has its place in definitely making people, especially amongst my patients. I've seen so many, I've I've seen it really contribute towards depression and anxiety um, for a lot of people because we, Mm -hmm. we put our best face forward on social media, right? It's our perfect life. And so if you, Um, struggle with where you are in that moment or just with comparing yourself, which is a natural thing that most of us have to, you know, fight against doing, absolutely it can contribute, right? And so I think a person really just has to have good insight into themselves of what's healthy for you. For me, I'm able to scroll and be happy for people, but I know if I'm going through a harder patch in life and I need to take a social media detox, then that's a good thing too. And having that insight. Right. And I... So agree with that. I mean, it really is truly taking note internally with yourself, right? Because like you just said, I'm super happy for people, right? But then the second you're going through a tough patch, if you can't handle it, you turn it off, which is interesting because it does go back to how are you feeling about yourself and your own journeys and your own internal um, alignment do you need to focus on that first and then you can pour into others? And again, it's on your mental state before you can start tapping into spreading that joy with others. So I think that that's awesome. Great. Well, I don't want to keep you too long because I did mention, I, I mean, I could probably catch up with you for a very long time. But last question is briefly touch on what your plans are. I know you have your YouTube channel and you've got your books and you've got your practice. In five years from now, what what do you envision your life to look like? Um, That's a great question. Um, (laughs) So again, I plan out all these things, but really I just focus on hearing from God on where he wants to take me. So what I envision is, you know, our Inspire LLC branch really growing when it comes to our wellness consulting and really transforming that into not only right now I'm doing one-to-one wellness consulting services under that business, but I see myself doing, transitioning that, automating that more into core courses and conferences, wellness conferences throughout the world. I see myself doing TED Talks. I see myself, you know, maybe pitching on Shark Tank one day, you know. And so, you know, I have all these dreams. I see myself writing a lot more books. Um, Definitely (laughs) want to tap into the nonfiction book. Um, sector and empowerment book and inspirational book sector. Telling my story through a book would be something I definitely am already working on. And, you know, I see my practice really being stable and just being my dream practice with patients I love and hiring other doctors underneath me and really just continuing to do things that allow me to have the flexibility and lifestyle that I dream of. So yeah, a lot of things. I don't know which order. God just, you know, will bring it as it comes, see and dream up and are planning. Oh, good. Well, and it's nice that you're giving yourself the flexibility to not just, it's not a race, right? It's a marathon and to just enjoy each process. And if you're not enjoying it, to stop that and just continue on with something else. Or like you said, you're a woman of faith. So I feel like, you know, maybe you just feel what's right and stay in tune with yourself and as to which path is to continue on and how to prioritize those, those tasks. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Um, now what's your biggest piece of advice for listeners or any entrepreneur going? My on biggest journey? piece of advice is to believe in your dream 
and go for it and do it scared. Do it if you don't know how to do it. If you, if everything's not perfect, it doesn't matter. Just believe that you can do it. Dream, dream your dream and dream it big. Don't limit your dream. Go for it and surround yourself with other people that will speak life and encouragement into your dream as well. And that has just those simple things have really helped me to create my dream life. Awesome. And people, like, like you say, surround yourself with other people that I think is, is a huge message. Awesome. Okay. Well, where can people find you? What's the easiest way that they can find you? And we'll toss all this info in the show notes. But yeah, let's make yeah, it easy on everyone. Yeah, the easiest way to how, find how me is find on you? Instagram. I'm, I'm really on my Instagram pretty much daily at Dr. Jade MD, D-R-J-A-D as in dog E, like the stone, M-D. Um, yeah, and all of my different things, my books and my wellness consulting and my practice are kind of all connected and linked on through that Dr. Jade MD Instagram. Um, and then drjademd.com is my website and the contact page comes directly to me if anyone wants to reach out. Perfect. All righty. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing your words of wisdom with us and your journeys and thoughts on all things um, entrepreneurship and relationships thank and failure. Thank you so much for having about. me. I really so appreciate it. Look- this was amazing. Oh gosh. So there's so many good takeaways from chatting with Dr. Jade. Um, Starting a practice on your own, not to mention one that is a new model coming out, I think is amazing. And just her reasons behind why she does it and what empowered her to do it that way. And the fact that she's all about her community, just, ugh. It just hits home. So good. And we, I think we just need more of that. I specifically like that she touched on what she thought about mom guilt and failures and her thoughts on those just being a way of life and it's just lessons and having that positive mental attitude to continue to press on forward and continue to do the things that she is called to do. Uh, She's a woman of faith. So I think that that's awesome. She touched on that and how parenting has also made her more flexible in a world where she would more like to be in control, but it just goes to show that when you become a parent, it's not necessarily all about you anymore, but it does change your why and empowers you to be about them, right? And so it does let you re-prioritize um, what you think is important and let go of the things that don't matter, like the stress or anxieties, or um, like Jade said, just being able to go with the flow when things aren't going your way. And I think that all of that in combination with her being able to surround herself with people her entire life that have empowered her to do her dreams her way has really attributed to the life that she is creating. And it's, of course, all her doing it. But how cool is it that she's got supportive family, supportive friends, supportive husband, supportive children and fun little life that she's building on the side or along her business, I should say. And that's all happening on the home front. And which is, again, why I think that she is going to move mountains. So thanks for listening in on this episode. And I hope that you guys got a lot from Dr. Jade. Thanks again, guys, for joining me on this second season of the Homefront Podcast, where happiness is our true profit. If you've enjoyed today's chat, please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. 
That'll help a sister out a lot. This helps us also learn and grow and reach more listeners like you. Join me again next week as we drop new stories, experiences, and game-changing tips for your business and home front. As always, here empowering you in business and in life. Until next time.